<clears throat> yeah, how you, how you doing? How you doing? No, it's the uh, it's left and right one, not the left and right. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to a couple of guys, a couple of these guys I know. It's, uh, that's Butt Cheeks Boston Eddie. Okay. You got uh, shot in the ass two times. <laughs> uh, two times? Two times. Uh, it's uh, uh, Tommy Toes. He's uh, super into feet stuff. Uh, Johnny the Fag, we caught him reading a book once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so this guy's really popular with the ladies. Uh, Donnie Asshole Rimletello. We got... Uh, uh, it's uh, Tony Grandparents. He uh, he lives with his grandparents. Ah. Uh, it's uh, Mario Horsecock Miglagano. He works down at the Alpo factory. Yeah, he uh, he beat a guy to death with a horsecock just for bowling out his sister. God damn. Yeah. What else we got here? Oh, yeah, there's uh, Tammy Two Holes Ponzerina, who you may remember as Tony One Hole Ponzerino, but uh, yeah, she's trans now. Who knew? God bless. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. Let's go. Go, go for her. Go for heart. I want to talk about Vegas, baby. We're supposed to do this with Donovan, but he's busy tonight again, which is fine. I'm not at all upset about that. I like pussy too much. You know, we got the soundboard. We can make up for some stuff. Yeah. Vegas today is like, it's totally safe to go there with your family. You know what I mean? It's, Technically it's, speaking. It's not, it's, well, it's not the same way that it was. In the Sinatra era, it was very much like. Oh, yeah. And no, like back then, it was yeah. definitely for the. The, the, the rich and the question, excess. Yeah. Yeah. Rich and excess and questionable morally you can, people. You can go there and do not. awful things and then just leave it in the desert. Speaking of which, there's uh, uh, Lake Mead has been like drying out because of, I guess, global warming. Um, mm. And. Uh, if you want to believe these fucking scientists, <laughs> yeah, global warming is uh, is drying out Lake Mead, and the water level is going down, you know, further and further. There's parts of it where, like the, I guess the floor of it is completely like you can see it now. So a ton of skeletons are showing up from the mob era, where they, when you'd off somebody, you just weigh them down and dump them in Lake Mead. Yeah, and holy shit, <laughs> yeah, the water levels rose like six inches from how many the, the just you know dead Italians were in there. <laughs> So fucking these goons didn't know how to keep their fucking mouth shut, you know. <laughs> fucking fucking uh, widows don't know their widows asking too many questions. You know what I'm saying? All the bodies deteriorated, and that's why the water levels are really sinking. <laughs> that's, that's really going down again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Lake Mead WAP index. <laughs> yeah, I read about that. I was like, that's fucking depressing. So yeah, they're. I don't know if they're gonna solve any of these cold cases or anything like that, but uh, there's got to be at least one or two. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> they're gonna find the they're gonna find who shot <laughs> Butt Cheeks Barsonetti in the ass two times. You know, <laughs> I just was talking to Donovan when he got back. I was like, I would make that trip so gay because <laughs> I played Fallout New Vegas all the time when I was a kid. So everything I know about Vegas is like, you know, where's the NCR on the strip? <laughs> Let's go see Caesar's Legion. Let's go to Prim. <laughs> I want to see the dinosaur in Novak or wherever the fuck it's, it's actually called. It's in, the, in the game, it's called Novak because it's named after a no vacancy sign where NC has burned out. So it just says Novak. <laughs> and it's like, again, it's like, I'm, a, I'm so gay. But like, I, I would want to see like the Bonnie and Clyde car and they'd be like, this isn't even in Vegas proper. This is like, in a casino next to a wooden roller coaster. <laughs> I have a friend who used to live out there and he was like, yeah, it, it's basically like your parents would go to the casinos and then I would just have to, there was, there was like a, like a six by nine patch of tile where you were allowed to stand as a kid and you just wait for them to get done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even back, it's I mean, just a differently colored tile. Yeah. The rest and, he's, of them. and he's my age. So it's, it's going only back like, you know, probably 20 years. It was still kind of like, you know, like not super kid friendly, but now it's like a theme park, you know. I yeah, mean, I mean, you got so many like of the millennial generation and yeah. younger going, and old people on bus tours, yeah, going just to play the quarter slots and then get a buffet, and then you know maybe catch a show and then head out. And that's where you get like a little kitty craps. Yeah, yeah. And then that's say you, you you hook them in early. Yeah, <laughs> do what you can to hook them. You in have early. them on your lap and you say pull it eleven now. Now now hear these sounds. This is uh. This is called endorphins, and you're going to be chasing these the rest of your life. <laughs> and you're never going to catch up, but you're going to try. I want you to notice how many Asians are in here. <laughs> See that pie gal table? Yeah, those are high rollers. And that got me thinking, how did Vegas happen? 
And the answer is, is uh, a couple of really smart Jews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I, I think is so funny about the early days of the mob Sorry, is... Caught me on, <laughs> caught me swallow, man, fucking spit yeah. there. Nine times out of ten, it, the, the situations they would get... This is how stuff would uh, evolve. Two groups of WAPs would just be murdering each other in the open street. And eventually the public would get sick of it and the police would have to finally step in. So you'd have these Mick cops that would try, you know, busting them up and that never really worked. So they got all this bad press and then you had these, you know, alphabet organizations in their early days have to come in and bust down on them. But then there'd always be a couple of real smart Semitic type fellows that would come in and be like, you know, you know, fellas, fellas, you're drawing too much attention and you're leaving money on the table. And then they they go to like Atlantic City <laughs> You know, you're hurting our ability to earn. They would come in and they would be the brains and they would say, you know, these fucking dagos need to stop killing each other for long enough so they can like make money and not leave the city in such a state of terror that, you know, that's why like in, in the Irishman, people were so pissed when crazy Joe Gallo, he shot Joe Colombo in broad daylight at the like the Irish Heritage Festival or whatever. He started it up because he's like, you know, the duh. Blacks have the NAACP and we are going to have the Italian League or whatever. And it doesn't sit well with everybody because it's like, you, you know, it's not, it just simply isn't done. You know, you get the quorum. You get butt cheeks Bostonetti over there <laughs> with a fucking or, or Johnny Horsecock and you beat him to death. You know, um, they beat him to death in broad daylight. That's why they shot him in the, the, the clam hut or whatever the fuck restaurant. Some fucking. This is just some greaseball restaurant he took his family to, and they shot him in front of his kids. But uh, so they had the the AC conference and the Atlantic City conference, and that's when they all sat down and were like, "Enough with this meaningless bloodshed. It is time for us to come together for the greatest good of making lots of money." And, and at this point, Al Capone had already like killed everybody. He had. Uh, like the Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, it's fine with me. Cause that means like he gets the last laugh. Like yeah. before they, they called, you know, timeout on murdering each other <laughs> openly. So you had like the East coast and the West coast. Uh, uh, so during the time, like when the mob was coming up, there's this guy, Bugsy Siegel. They called him that because they say, they say they called him that cause he was crazy as a bed bug, but they, nobody ever said to his face cause he'd fucking murder. Him. <laughs> and uh, he was tight with Meyer Lansky who also is mentioned in The Irishman. He's one of the guys that uh, was there when Pesci's character, Buffalino, when he when they're leaving Cuba because the, uh, they shut down the, uh, the, the, the communists came and shut down all the casinos and he made the promise, you know, if I get out of this, I'll never smoke again. That's why they can't smoke in the car while they're driving. Mm-hmm. So they were like real old timers. But the rumor is that they, they met each other because Bugsy Siegel... They were playing dice or something like that. Like they were shooting dice and there was some altercation and he was known to just haul off and hit people. So he just gets in this fight with this guy. And as they're in this tussle, his gun falls out of his belt. And the other guy grabs his gun, aims it at him. He's about to shoot him. And Meyer Lansky saves his life. I think he just like decks him or something. So yeah, that's how they became tight. And Bugsy Siegel was like one of the first people to go out to Vegas and see what they were doing out there, which is basically like cowboys, cowboy casinos. Like they were like, oh, we're in the West. So why not make it themed around the olden times? Yeah. So and he he was like, you know, that's that's for fucking schmucks. You know what I'm saying? It's like we got to get that. We got to have suits. You know, we got to we got to invent the Rat Pack. So that's what he did. He 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 was like, we're going to do upscale places where you wear a suit, you come in. You know, and I know this whole thing is going to be me just like riffing on Scorsese movies, but it's like uh, it's the scene in Casino. He's like, he thinks this is a fucking sawdust joint. He's got his shoes off, his feet up on the table, and they kick out the guy with the cowboy. It's hair. hard to talk about anything mob related, mob yeah. gangster related without talking about one, yeah. Coppola or two, Scorsese. In so Coppola, it's going to happen. Coppola is such an operatic, heightened version of the mob. You know, where Scorsese's is definitely also heightened, but at least realistic to the fact that it portrays them as like the the, the murderous idiots that they were for the most part. <laughs> just, just you know, but like they had a code, you know, yeah. like, you know, the live fast, die young or the live medium, slow murder people and then go home and have silent, uncomfortable dinners with your family because they all know that you kill people. Bugs, Bugsy kind of made his nut 
founding Murder Incorporated. He was the go-to guy to get to 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 whack people. And to get people got he, to get people got. If you needed somebody got, he would he would get them. And uh, you know, he said he the 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 story goes that he was talking to like a real estate guy and just like you know I fucking killed a dozen people. <laughs> like, he's like he I don't know if he's counting if he's putting notches in his gun belt or whatever, but apparently that was like the the number floated around was like at least a dozen. Yeah, you know, he was into everything like bootlegging, prostitution, gambling. He had ties with the New York mob just because he was their like go to guy for hits. Yeah, but he wasn't necessary because he was Jewish. He he wasn't gonna get his button, you know. They weren't gonna like like induct him into their their ranks or whatever. So after he the was, AC he conference, was in association, yeah, with, if you exactly, will. Yeah. exactly. So after the AC conference, the whole structure of everything changed. But the non Italians were still completely boxed out. Marlansky and Bugsy Siegel were like, "Fuck this, we're gonna go do our own thing." So they go out uh, west, like all the way. They go to uh, California. There's just one really funny story because he just immediately gets ingratiated with all these different like actors and stuff back in the, the gold golden era and stuff. He bought a, a pirate treasure map from somebody and he took a boat with a bunch of actors on it to like go find this treasure. <laughs> and obviously they didn't find it. And I just can't imagine like... Was it like a fucking a kid's menu treasure map? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Thing? And it's like, it'd be so funny to be like a fly on the wall for that. All these like <laughs> Rock Hudson type closeted <laughs> gay actors. <laughs> you know, it's okay, man. You tried your best, and he's like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> I wanted doubloons. You know, what I mean? like, he's just emotional and just pissed off, and and it's so really funny. Up, he's like, "Don't worry about it." Like, I'll fucking shoot you. He's actually, I mean, he's that's the thing. I was like, I keep painting him as an Italian guy, just like, but he really, he was like, "Oh, it's so unfair." I was supposed to get the treasure. Do you know how much money I spent on this map? It's all, it's all awful. So they go out to the West Coast, boss. Uh, they. Uh, Jack, uh, Dar- uh, sorry, Dragner, Jack Dragner. And I guess they did not get along that well. So at one point, um, I'm just jumping around this guy's life because it's just like, really, it's just about the hits. You just want to play the greatest hits off of this. You know, you don't need like a, a beat by beat biography. Uh, there's a story about him going to Italy and uh, he goes to try to buy explosives because he wants to do these like, you know, he wants to get some candy okay. and get some explosives going. And he goes and buy, tries to buy some from Mussolini <laughs> like when, like when stuff just starts to get popping off. Did, uh, he, did he realize it was Mussolini? Yeah. I mean, everybody, it was like, it, okay. was, it was Mussolini. Yeah. I thought this was like Mussolini just so happened to be on the street. I mean, it, it's like, at this point, it's like, uh, it's like the movies where like, you know, or, or like that show, the Nick where. Um, you know, every five episodes, somebody says like, whoa, this is Mr. Edison and he's invented the x-ray machine. It's like you, all those biopics or like period pieces. They always like, you happen to cross paths with, it's the joke in walk hard where Dewey Cox is like, wow, Elvis Presley, you didn't have to rile him up like that. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Or like later in the movie, he's like, wow, I can't believe I'm sitting here with all four of the Beatles. (laughs) Um, Apparently, he also met, uh, while he was out there, he also met Hermann Goering, <laughs> the Nazi. <laughs> and it, like, it, I, I think recently was uh, some more papers were discovered that, fa- that, that like proved that he was the architect. Like, obviously, it was Hitler's big idea, but yeah. Goering, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was like the nuts and bolts guy. Like, Hitler was the big idea guy, and Goering was the guy that was like, here's how we're we gonna, do... We're going to get it done like Here's this. how we do the camps. You know what I mean? That's how he was. So, these are uh, all the details that we would do. So, first, the train. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, when Siegel met him, he's like, I want to fucking kill this guy, because <laughs> he, he would say <laughs> some derogatory shit about the, you know, the Jewish people. Yeah. So, uh, Naturally. Uh, he was, uh, uh, Bugsy Siegel was charged with the murder of uh, another mobster, uh, Henry Greenberg. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Jewish names. Um, he was not convicted, uh, but he did have to leave LA at that point. So he's what, what most people would just look and see is an arid wasteland. He saw it as, as an oasis of opportunity free of allergens. <laughs> and, and, and he said, upon this rock, I will build my altar. But you got to remember, he, he's still like raised by by all these fucking guineas. You know what I mean? So he wasn't like the, the brightest guy. So the mob summit in Cuba in 1946, when they're like, what are we going to do about moving our operations back to the state side? Because we're not going to be able to like stay here 
the writings on the wall type of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going off of like a lot of memory here. So I'm, some of this de- de- details might be whatever Bugsy uh, and the Flamingo, which is the place he wanted to open. Okay. was, was what he, there was in a mobster called the Flamingo. <laughs> it's, it's like John Waters is a hitman. <laughs> I'm just going to get my little garrote and I'm going to kill you with it. <laughs> oh boy. They, they kind of want to kill Bugs because at this point he's building the Flamingo. He's over budget. It's very obviously skimming. I mean, think about this. Would you steal from the cartel? No. No. Would you steal from the fucking mob? No. no. If you find a, a speaker on the side of the road, it's always sunny style and it's filled with cocaine. You walk away. You know, you don't do a Llewellyn Moss and pick up the bag and... And, and, you know, hide it and just hope to God that Anton Sugar doesn't fucking blast through you with a, his weird sawed off <laughs> silent shotgun. You know what I mean? Yeah. He it's it, it's best to just leave these things alone. The bugs is like, you know, this hubris, the the Henry Hill style, live fast, die young. But I guess Henry Hill didn't die young because he ratted on everybody. But they're like, all right, we'll give him another shot. So he opens the flamingo because Meyer Lansky. It's like, look, he's my boy. We've been tight forever. I stopped this kid from getting blasted on the streets and he's looked out for me. He's offed a lot of guys for you guys. He's never said anything about it. There was a couple times where he got popped in New York too. And he never like turned on anybody either. Yeah. So, um, they're like, give him another shot. So they're like, fine. He finishes the flamingo with a lot of pressure put on him. Mm-hmm. And part of that pressure results in him opening the flamingo casino before the hotel is ready. Now, I don't know if you know how casinos work. But the idea is to not let people cash out and leave. Yeah. The only way you make money is to... It's a vicious cycle yeah. of fucking... You hide the clocks. Shit. You you don't have windows. You pump oxygen into that son of a bitch. And you comp rooms if you have to, if people feel like they're going to you know leave if they're way up. You go, no, no, you're on a hot streak, man. Come on. Here's a, here's a sushi bar over here. Here's a little voucher for that. This lady's going to bring you a couple drinks. She might just look you off if you're playing cards, right? And then on top of all that, you know, here's a nice room for you. You take her up there, you know, to discuss the finer points of the sunset. Because half of the operation was still wood lath and plaster behind visqueen sheets trying to keep the sawdust in one quadrant <laughs> of the hotel the, these people had nowhere to stay so they were just like fuck it at the end of the night they were up they cashed out and they the, the place was fucking hemorrhaging money and he's still skimming at this point his girlfriend is taking these like obscenely obvious trips to Europe and, and, you know, coming back with all these, you know, dresses and stuff. He's lying in his pockets. And at this point they're like, this is, this looks bad. Yeah. Yeah. She keeps going to Switzerland, which, you know, what do you know about Switzerland? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, uh, she's going there to stow money with her fucking aunt Wolf of Wall Street style. Whatever, <laughs> you know, they, at this point they're like, he's going to flee the country. He's putting his money in Switzerland. He's going to go to Europe, which is probably not the best move. I guess at this point it's, uh, yeah, World War Two is winding down. It's it's already ended at, after forty six, I guess. So yeah, um, Hitler's gone. He's like it's probably safe to go to Europe again, and he's got a shitload of money, like probably millions of dollars saved over in a Swiss bank account. Yeah. So Lancy again tries to step in. He does his due diligence for his buddy, but on June twentieth, nineteen forty seven, Bugsy is shot multiple times while reading the paper in uh, his girlfriend's mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he got shot two in the head, two in the chest. And they say that's where they got the idea. Because of the way he was shot, it looked like he was shot through the eye in one of those shots, mm-hmm. which is where you get Mo Green and the Godfather. He's getting a massage and he looks up and they blast him through the eye. Yeah. Uh, but what actually happened is when they shot him in the face, it went into his cheek and it exploded his eye out of its socket. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like you know they're like wow he got shot in the eye too it's like no it's it's uh you know upon further inspection good shot as a, yeah exactly so that was the end of old bugsy siegel so the moral of the story is uh don't fuck with a mob you know i mean and, that, that's a that's a great lesson to take away from this story yeah that's how a lot of those guys died too but i just think it's funny how he was like the most italian jewish guy ever <laughs> you know he was he wanted to be them so bad yeah yeah he was a real james con oh the my question with the bugsy Siegel stuff is like all right so he he builds this one fucking the, the thing flamingo, the yeah. flamingo 
And like, just all of a sudden Vegas just takes off after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was kind of like he was, they, they say he's the father of Vegas or he, and then there's a statue uh, in his honor as well, but it was going to happen either way. It, it was like an emerging market. So it was just, it just him. He, he got he in early. Right place, right time. Right place, just, right time. He saw. He's the person that just. He saw an opportunity. He was one of the guys. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. He's got the most memorable nickname and one of the coolest deaths. So <laughs> <laughs> he gets, uh, but it was, it was really interesting to read about like what was kicking off like again it was just these italians going to war with each other um i I need to read that book called the five families because it goes from the i think it starts from when they come over from italy and goes all the way through yeah i'm I'm, like that's the whole fucking thing i'm putting some sauce on it gravy um just some excuse me yeah you're right gravy yeah from when they came over and they were like you know the old like you know like the from like the 20s on or maybe even before that and and how the real they, Sicilians. Yeah. When they from the time when they were wearing suits all the way up through the tracksuit era and now <laughs> up through the smartphone getting shot in the middle of the street by a guy who thinks QAnon is real, which is a real thing that happened. A QAnon guy shot I think the son of the one of the bosses. Or no, he shot the boss. He shot one of the bosses and then what killed the himself. Fuck? Yeah. Because he he read something on like 4chan that said he was like in the cabal or whatever. I don't know. I might have those details wrong, but I know all I know is that just some guy who was not even remotely involved with that world shot one of the bosses. <laughs> I mean, it takes you through Gotti too, who was just like the one who was like he was like a crazy Joe Gallo type who was like, "Hey man, calm down. You're blowing up our spot. Everybody's yeah. everybody's looking at you too much. You're being too flashy." So yeah, it takes you all <laughs> through the, the the whole the arc of the entire thing and you know i'm interested to read that for sure i think that's the only real tome on like the the end all like story on all those things because you can find a million books on individual people and but how it all fits together yeah goes like through. you don't you always hear about like the individual like, yeah. the major mob bosses yeah. like you said like with like, Gotti being and capone and then you got like the different shit. wings you got the K- the kansas city mob you know you got chicago you got new york you got boston with guys like whitey bulger who was yeah. like a total outlier and maverick, and he, he didn't give a he, he didn't give a fuck, and he was informing on, uh, to the FBI like on top of everything else. And then there's the West Coast, which was like I think uh, very quickly got sucked into like that Chinatown shit. You know, the water it became business at a certain point. The mob became big business, yeah, and became uh, hollowing out the public transit system. Basically, the pop, the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You know, getting rid of public transit, which I guess Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the whole, I mean, it's it, it's it's a vehicle for cartoons to appear in live action, but the whole plot of it is just basically an unproduced Chinatown sequel. Because basically what the Chinatown movie series was supposed to be about, because they only made two of them, mm. was it was supposed to be about like the hollowing out and the rot of California and how it was kind of taken advantage of by these uh, wealthy, interested parties. Yeah. The first one was about water. Um, the two Jakes, I don't remember at all what that one was about, but the, the other one was going to be about getting rid of the transit system. And because, like, now today, they used to have, and like, what fucking Bob Hoskins says in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, we got the best public transit system in the world. And they did until, like, the people that were interested in building highways and we're going to get kickbacks from that. Yeah. Now you have like eight lane highways and it's gridlock. And it's like the, yeah. the one place in America where it's known for horrendous traffic is a thousand percent LA. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. California all day long. 100%. And like to, to the point where fucking like exit ramps have traffic lights. Yeah. That's the, that's the craziest thing. And it still doesn't work. No, nothing helps. I mean, that's what that, that book I was reading, and I need to get back into it, um, The Power Broker. It's a Robert Caro book uh, about Robert Moses, the guy, the architect of uh, New York City, basically. Mm-hmm. The, the reason, I've, I've mentioned it before, the, the reason that there's no public transit that goes out to Long Island, uh, for the most part. The bridges are too low. He did that yeah. on purpose. That he, he, he was that kind of guy, and he he designed the city and laid it out in such a way that it would benefit the wealthy and just disintegrate and atomize the poor. You know, you'd buy out apartment blocks, you know, little Italy and Chinatown where it used to be way bigger. And, you know, they would get smaller every year because of this guy Yeah. until it finally, they were just like a city block and that's it. Places like Atlanta, people, uh, city planners looked at that and they were like, we need to get in on that because they saw the amount of money that they were making through like, crooked business deals, getting kickbacks 
and also keeping the porzies. You know, they, that's what they call it. It's redlining. It's where you uh, you keep a certain demographic, usually a minority demographic, out of certain. You you box yeah. them out of certain parts that you want to like keep districts. Basically, yeah, exactly. You want to keep certain areas separate from them. So you you create a situation where it doesn't look racist when you just glance at it. But the more you see how it's engineered, you're like, wow, this is completely and utterly by design. Yeah. And then, like, because in, like, the Midwest, in, like, the middle of the country, you had, like, mining towns, like, company towns, where yeah. they were taking... There's people, so many of them, too. The poor people were taken advantage of by the companies that would come in and be like, we're going to strip mine, we're going to give everybody jobs. And you had, like, Daniel Plainview running the company store. He's like, you know, I often look at people and I see nothing to like, or whatever that quote <laughs> is. And you, you see people as an obstacle between you and their money and, and the resources that they can produce. Yeah. I think it was, was it, um, it wasn't Lee Iacocca. It was another one of those, it was, it was who's the first billionaire? What was it? It was, it was Carnegie? Yeah, I think it was, it was, it was Carnegie, Carnegie. Carnegie Rockefeller. No, it wasn't Rockefeller. It was either Carnegie or Rockefeller in his biography. But he basically said that there's a certain generation, there's a certain um, percentage of the population that just will never fully get it. They'll never understand what it takes to make your way in this world. And that group of people should be put in work camps. <laughs> it's like they should just be tools for the wealthy. He was, you know, that Ayn Randian uh, objectivism yeah. kind of mindset. It's, it's yours for the taking. Just go out and take it. Subjective for only like the, in his words, the people that get it. The people that get it. Yeah. They're, they're, that's the, the, the survival of the fittest kind of mentality. Yeah. For the unfit, uh, quote unquote, you just make it, you make life impossible for them to, there was a, a web comic I saw today that was really brilliant. It was like a, a guy on a treadmill, like a, like a, a treadmill that stretched as far as the eye could see. Mm-hmm. It's going towards an edge and I can run as fast as I can and get away from the edge. And while I'm far enough away from it, I can explore left and right and enjoy things. But after a certain point I get tired and I just keep heading for that edge, you know, and there's certain things in life that push you further towards that edge or keep you from getting further away from that edge. You get as far as you can. And then that treadmill speeds up a little bit. The best laid plans, mice and men, whatever the fuck the thing is, you know, and then Lenny kills the girl and then you get shot in the back. They shoot the retard. So, um, (laughs) you know, I like that book. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to sum up anything we just talked about, but, um, America, (laughs) what's America mean mean, to you? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for for as much as they talk about uh, like American history, like as far as like industrial development, I feel like it, not even specifically the Italian mob, but just the mob in general has a pretty significant part that they just yeah. don't talk about in public school, which I get because I mean the mob yeah. is full of fucking violent. Ass the only people. time you learn about it is in criminal justice, yeah, class, which is where I learned about. You know, the, the all they kept saying was, don't do mob stuff. You'll end up dead. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but not if you, like, rat on everybody. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then you might end up dead in a way bad way. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't, then you just get to move to Florida and eat uh, fucking lo mein with ketchup. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. The, the industry, I mean, there was, you know, like laundromats and, uh, you know, all these front businesses that were propped up and kind of, you know, used to launder money. We're also kind of kept afloat these mom and pop places. There's a scene in The Sopranos where they go into a coffee shop, like a Starbucks style place, and they try to like extort the guy. But he's like, man, it's owned by that corporation. I couldn't care less. Like you can threaten me. <laughs> you can kill me. They'll send somebody else in with the uh, fucking the same uh, apron and outfit. Like you can't, it's, it's so impersonal that not even the mob can like make their way into that racket. You yeah. know, like they, they it's, it's, it's just hollowed them out. And then there's like another episode where Tony, uh, he owns some property and he's looking at, he's, he's asked, you know, by, I think it's like a Jamba Juice or something. Uh, the company wants to buy his, property and he's like looking around at the the neighborhood and he's like you, you can tell he's like kind of like savoring the old neighborhood and there's this moment where he's thinking you know i could the the, the sword is coming down or the, this neighborhood's number is coming up but i could hold it off for a couple more years no i'm gonna hold it and sell i'm gonna sell <laughs> they give him like an insane offer and he makes a shitload of money and then he fucks the real estate agent <laughs> and then, and then, yeah so when I said when they went from three three piece suits to track suits, that's the kind of like you know an old school guy may not have done that. He might have, 
but he may not have done that. Yeah. The Tony Soprano generation goes, yeah, let me see what kind of money I can make here. Uh, and this, so I don't even know what the state of the mob is today. I can't even imagine what they would be into. Yeah, like, like human trafficking is the only thing I can really think of. Yeah, it's like, the only blind spot that's left. The like the I heard like some fucking like it was like it wasn't Dateline, but it was like a Dateline type piece. Yeah. And it was just like the, the mob is getting into like fucking internet hacking and shit. But it's, it's <laughs> can like, you imagine some <laughs> some fucking it, it's some it, fucking it grease ball is, on a computer? It literally is like someone. Yo, I just got seven bitcoins. Like, like the like the the actors they got to stage this visual yeah. example for the audience was um it it was kind of like someone pulled straight from. Like the Godfather, that's an operatic, like, like you were saying earlier, an operatic fucking the heightened, romanticized uh, version of yeah. the mob. Yeah, like that, but at like sitting at a computer desk, like one of those like stereotypical nerd web comics. Yeah, and it it, it didn't seem real. Yeah, it doesn't. It's like a guy. He's like seem real. he's like pecking the keyboard. <laughs> I picture I picture Chrissy from The Sopranos going, "Yeah, we're pushing Webistics. <laughs> That's what we're pushing, okay? You sell webistics, all right? You fucking pussy. Yeah, so that's uh, that's old Bugsy. I don't think that's where Bugs Bunny gets his name. I think Bugs Bunny gets his name from a baseball player. We were I talking so. about Bugs Bunny earlier and how far yeah. superior WB cartoons were to anything Disney did at that time. But it's like a, a VHS beta situation. The consumer always gets fucked by the lesser of the two products because it's like cheaper and yeah. has more wide appeal. Like beta has better sound and picture quality, but it's more expensive. Was that the case with HD DVD and Blu-ray? This is really off topic, but would HD DVD have been the the superior choice? I'm not totally sure because, like, as far as like disc quality, Blu-ray's got to beat. Like Blu-ray, Blu-ray's thicker, thicker. It's got like that scratch. You can't resistant. scratch it. Yeah. yeah. So I think like that that happened to just be a win-win for both ends of the coin. They always said what uh, whatever porn picked is what where it would go. Like when the VHS beta divide, porn went with VHS because it was cheaper to manufacture. Yeah. So the and it's like that thing where I was talking about. I don't know if it was on the on mic or not, but I was talking about how like McDonald's determines a, a, like what meat prices are going to be by how much they buy of like different types of meat because of how large of a corporation they are and how much meat they buy. If they decide we're going to do bacon this month, it affects the price of bacon for the entire country yeah so, i think i heard something about that yeah. with, like, with chicken because they're like the, yes. one of the largest chicken consumers right or the chicken buyers yeah so the if world. they if they change direction in any way it affects the market yeah so uh so the the same thing with porn but lesser nowadays because there's really the physical dvd market is really just like i would assume dried up at this point i don't think anybody buys porn dvds anymore i can't imagine any just anyone Buying porn, yeah. period. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna do that, there's like that's not only fans. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's what people spend money on. There's no physical. Again, we were talking about physical media last episode and why it's important. <laughs> <laughs> Buy your porn, people. <laughs> it's ethical. Farm raised, <laughs> ass fucking movies. Um, let's switch gears here for a little bit. We're getting a little too philosophical. Uh, let's talk about uh, a proven hoax, but an interesting one. How do you say? How do you say it? Poly, polybius. I think, I think it's polyamorous. I think, it, I think it's polybius. It's a it's a, it's a polybius. It's a video game like about a, being in an open relationship. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a uh, polybius. Yeah. I mean, again, proven hoax. So says the internet. Allegedly, was a video game that appeared somewhere. In like, what was it the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, like the Pacific Northwest, and it was something that would be just mysteriously installed in an arcade. Yeah, like overnight. Like a, yeah, like overnight, and then like in a couple months, it would just suddenly disappear. Yeah. It was a very plain-looking cabinet, yeah. like game cabinet. Um, like outside of the Northwest, it would just like, it would pop up in different parts of the country, people claim. It's um, one of those, um, not Mandela effects, but one of those like lost media, memory hold things that people are like, was this real? Yeah. It, or is this something that I'm having a false memory? Yeah, it, it's like the there. There's a similar um, story where it's like there. There was a pilot to this weird, creepy, like pirate uh, puppet cartoon or some shit go. or claymation yeah. cartoon, and there are a bunch of people that like swear on their fucking life That's that they real. Yeah. that they saw it beginning to end as a child, and then yeah. everyone else is just like, "What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? I've never seen that shit before in my life." 
Yeah, there's like a big lost media thing. People said it was like a CIA program similar to like MK Ultra, but on a much smaller scale. MK Ultra was like the mind control program where, and this is this all came out in court documents in I think the 70s, where the CIA had to admit that they were running these programs where they were where they were drugging people with LSD against their will and trying to uh, make them susceptible to suggestion and uh, kind of make them disassociate from their identities. Yeah, it was a very like post. It was I think it was post like World War Two. It was post. Yeah, the, they they found all these documents that the Nazis were working on, where the Nazis were trying to like come up with mind control, doing yeah. their own things during I think the Cold War gearing up towards it because it was the 70s when it came out and they had to like admit to it so the six this was the 60s i think we were still pretty worried about russia and certainly like cuba and stuff and they were like we need to be able to program people to like in vietnam we need to be able to have a guy deliver information if you give him a recall code and he can give the information to the person but if he gets captured he won't remember the information because the enemy won't have the recall code so it's like they don't have a key to get into his memory bank. Like yeah. that was their idea. So there was one called like uh, Operation Midnight Climax where they opened a bunch of like brothels yeah. <laughs> and they would have the whores come in and they'd be like, I'll be right back. And they'd go to the bathroom and they would like spray LSD that was put in through like aerosol and they would spray it in the room and they would just study yeah. what was going on. People say, which, and there's a lot of credibility to it, that the the Manson thing came out of this too. He was one of the people that were fucked with. And if you listen to any interview he ever did, he seems like a guy that either did a lot of LSD and got his mind fucked up or was given a lot of LSD and got his mind fucked up. By the um, way, a lot of fucked up yeah. therefore of drugs. And people were murdered randomly, almost as if it were like a test run. I, I mean, the CIA also has come out at one point, I think it was also in the 70s, to say, yeah, we have a heart attack gun. It runs on D batteries. You can point it at somebody and it's, uh, it'll give them a heart attack. <laughs> That's a, it was a real thing. And they had it. And it might have been like a, like a limited hangout kind of thing where it's like, oh, we'll, we'll show them a Nerf gun and tell them it's a heart attack gun. So we're giving them something. We're keeping the real stuff secret or whatever. But, yeah. but the point is that they were always looking for ways to like find new and exciting ways to, <laughs> to commit assassination. <laughs> <laughs> and overthrow uh, democratically elected New governments. New from the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> Not today, Fidel. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a run that guy had. Just couldn't Fidel? be stopped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like He, he had like a Bo Jackson run. But, I mean, Castro, they, the best story about him is when they, they sent a woman to honeypot him and, and like assassinate him. And he he knew what was going on. And he, he just, the fucking pimpest move. He took, the hand, he took a handgun out, loaded it, cocked it put it on the countertop in front of her and said, all right, go ahead and shoot me. And she, and like, she was like falling in love with him and he ended up like, he started just banging her for like, you know, months and months and months and months and months. <laughs> and she just never went back to the States or whatever. Like there's a rumor that he's uh, Justin Trudeau's biological father because uh, Justin Trudeau's mom cheated on her husband around the same time she went on a trip to Cuba. There's a bunch of pictures of her with Castro, like really cozy you know, it's like, wow. The dude had game. The wow. dude had an insane amount of no, game, no, dude. Definitely. I mean, she also fucked Mick Jagger and stuff. Like she cheated on him a lot from what I understand. Allegedly, allegedly. But, uh, there was like a story about the, the, some club. That's why Mick Jagger, there's some, he wasn't allowed to play somewhere in uh, Canada because uh, the stones weren't because apparently like she had a train run on her, but in the back of some club, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. Parody, parody. I need to look more into the son. So allegedly Justin Trudeau could be the father of Mick Jagger or Castro. Uh, the son. The son. Right. If yeah, you look son. at pictures of him next to Castro, though, he does kind of, there's a bit of a, uh, there's a resemblance. <laughs> what do you think about uh, Sinatra Jr.? Yeah, there's a resemblance. <laughs> you need to watch that fucking show, dude. But yeah, where were we on that? Oh, the CIA and MK Ultra. So back to Polybius. It could very well have been like a small little program because like the MK Ultra program, they were also getting children and they were drugging children yeah. and you know, people who had asthma. They were like, oh, we're going to cure your asthma. And then they would put them into a medically induced like insulin coma for like 30 days and have a tape recorder running in the room the whole time that was saying just like, you're gay and <laughs> you'd never want to fuck your wife again. And and then when they got out of it, they'd be like, so how do you feel about your wife? And then they'd be like, I'm gay and I never want to see her again. You know? <laughs> so they'd see if they were like uh, susceptible to this type of stuff. So they, sure that, you know, strobe lights and, and unique 
way, some some weird, crazy Operation Paperclip motherfucker could have come up with an arcade cabinet that could make people yeah. go like, "Kill John Lennon." Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, I, I think like the the whole thing around it is rather like the the fancy LSD light hypnotizing bullshit or whatever. Or kind of like the 80s version of Midnight Climax where it's like you have this very appealing thing that's coming out. Instead of a whore, it's an arcade cabinet. Yeah, it's it's the, the arcade and video games and that's becoming popular with fucking everyone. Yeah. And, Little um, did they know they had to compete with fucking Donkey Kong. And yeah, and they had to compete. Galaga. And, and, and Sinistar. And Atari. The, fu- the home console port. Yeah. <laughs> and like slipping... Um, like subliminal su- stuff, like subliminal stuff, or like just straight up, like secretly injecting or like lacing LSD on, on the, the on the paddles or something like yeah, that. Something yeah, they might like have that. a guy come and code it when he's quote getting the quarters or like, come cl- or like he's yeah. cleaning it. Yeah, and- that could that could definitely be it. Because like LSD, can't you like? I mean, I don't know or search from this from. Ex- from I believe anything, it can, but, you can, but it can, you can do it with just about anything. Uh, yeah, I believe you can. If it if it even gets on your skin and gets wet, I think you can. Absorb it as long as it's absorbed into your bloodstream in some way. Yeah, that's why you never want to fall into a swimming pool with a sheet of acid in your pocket. Fucking uh, Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think the the logical thing is, yeah, it's probably a hoax. This is like a cool internet legend thing, or before the internet. But I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility. I, I I have a hard time thinking about the logistics of unless there was like a, some sort of camera recording device inside of the machine, which at that time it would have to be tape or film. Yeah. It had to be running all the time. I don't know how well that would work. Maybe it would only engage if a certain set of parameters would, would be met inside the cabinet during the game. It's not like a uh, what's the, it's not like a last Starfighter situation where they're looking for the best person at Tetris yeah, no. or whatever. It's like, uh, but it's funny. It's like they tried to make the most addicting game ever, which is you know now we have that. It's just like it's Fortnite. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like <laughs> if the CIA wanted to just pour money into Epic Games, they could and just season thirty seven. You're gonna assassinate Castro, <laughs> you know, and then, and then do the floss dance. <laughs> You're gonna assassinate Castro with a stormtrooper. Yeah, exactly. There's like. There's plenty of games with microtransactions to put themselves in or yeah. whatever, but I don't. I don't think they were the greatest of game designers down there at the CIA. I don't think they were. They were good at that. They were, you know, real good at knocking over governments and other countries. Real good at covering up assassinations. But making a good eight-bit game design. Nah, not not, not probably their, their forte. Ball, not their ballpark. Speaking of which, you know who else's ballpark it wasn't? The guy who made the ET game. Fuck. I mean, that's a. God awful. Has there ever been another instance in history where a piece of media came out that was so bad it ruined an entire industry for a couple of years? Yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of anything even OJ nowadays. killed the Bronco for a while as well as allegedly a couple of other people uh, allegedly. Um but there was no Broncos after the OJ thing for a while. Like yeah. just 2 years ago we got the Bronco back. You know, thank like, God. Like the Bronco team no, no, the Ford Bronco, the the car. Oh, okay. There was no, there was no Ford Bronco after I know that had the OJ case. To do with the OJ case. Yeah, because it was like uh, people associated it with murder, oh. <laughs> allegedly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if he did it, there's, but there's never been like a movie that was so bad it tanked the entire industry. People would be in director jail or like yeah, they'd be blacklisted. Th- there was that Heaven's Gate movie. Was it Heaven's Gate? It was uh, it was that one that went incredibly over budget, like the first of its kind, and that was the last time they ever gave a director like a blank check. That's kind of what changed the pair. It was a paradigm shift in like producers having a much more hands-on role with how money was spent, yeah, and what got into a movie and what was you know, um, but there was never like yeah, I don't, I can't think of a time where something bombed so bad and was so like that somebody sat destroyed. on their balls so hard yeah. <laughs> that it that it completely wrecked an industry and left an opening for uh an eastern d- company to swoop in and just dunk on everybody ever since yeah i mean it was only until for two companies to do that two companies yeah that's the thing it was only until the early 2000s that an american company was able to scrape together enough intellectual property and and enough goodwill with a consumer base to to pose a challenge, and they still are the worst of the three. Yeah, which is Microsoft, the Xbox. Yeah, and I, I like I've always recognized Nintendo as like, oh, this is a Japanese company. I always saw 
PlayStation. It's like, oh, this is a Japanese company, but never like put those ideas together and realize that those like they're the big three of Xbox, PlayStation, and really anything Nintendo puts out. Yeah, and two of them are Japanese, and those are the two that are thriving. Yeah, even the ones that folded into those companies were all like Sega. It's interesting because the ET game was the pinnacle of too big to fail. And then it failed. Yeah. It was a big, huge movie. It was rushed through development because they wanted it out of the, around the same time. They wanted it in stores. And all like the, and it wasn't just E.T. that... Yeah, there were was, a couple other ones. There was a couple other ones like Pac-Man that wanted to do an, RT, uh, an Atari port. And, and it just looked like shit. The whole pattern of all these games was they wanted it out by Christmas. Yeah. and But like they had the idea in November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and it took... Yeah, they signed. They, yeah, they would like ink the deal three months ahead of time, and they tell a guy like, "All right, here's ten dollars. Hope you figure it out." And then in six like, weeks, yeah, you need three months. And ET was like a fundamentally broken game to the point where like you couldn't play it past a certain point, um, and you just had. So that's you know, there's the famous story of the landfill that's got, you know, which was always yeah. thought to be a, like an, an exaggeration or like an urban or legend. urban legend. Maybe. But they found it. Yeah, they and found it. They cracked at it, and there they all were. There's they also photographic found, evidence. They also it. found one with Funko Pops. Did you know that? Are you serious? They found a Funko Pop depository where it's just like that's brilliant. I told Haven, and I, the sadness in his face was <laughs> like without an ounce of irony. He was just so bummed out by that fact that there's like <laughs> I hope that it's all full of NFL football player that's ones. That's what I'm thinking. It's like <laughs> when they completely misjudged who their target demographic is, you know? Like like, like it's, it's it's anime guys and Marvel guys. Like it's it's not even the fucking like two second costume that you see in like the third Spider-Man movie at the sixth <laughs> reboot. Yeah. It's like Tom Brady. Yes. <laughs> that's holding only, a football. That's ex- the holding a football that's exclusive at the stadium yeah. and shit like that. It's LeBron. <laughs> but yeah, so that uh, that really collapsed the any faith that any company had in putting money behind video games as entertainment. Nintendo very cautiously approached marketing their games uh, to the West. That's where they got the Nintendo seal of approval. The seal of quality, yeah. which, by the way, in recent years they've changed, and now it no really? longer does it say a seal of quality; it just says Nintendo, and it's got the, the, the same the shape, gold, the gold, gold yeah, spike thing. They changed it around the GameCube era, and I think it was what game was it that it changed on? I want to say like Luigi's Mansion or something, which is because that's a great game. It wasn't a bad game that it changed on. I think it was just like a case could be made that if a game is critically panned that we may be open to litigation that would make us refund stuff. And obviously refunding is not really a policy for video games, you know, yeah. <laughs> you cut to the video of the guy destroying a GameStop because they wouldn't return Fallout 76, <laughs> which I don't know if it's a hoax which or I, not. I feel like that's like a whole topic that we can cover separately. Fallout 76? Oh yeah. Like, well, Fallout 76 and the fact that you can't really return a game. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fucked up. You can return a movie. You can't return a game. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> You wouldn't steal a human heart. You wouldn't traffic a person. <laughs> you wouldn't create a government program where that slips LSD into Arcadia into, game Into fucking school lunch milks. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's when Nintendo really swooped in and, and the, the faith was restored. I mean, there were times where they weren't able to get, just, just like today with the Playstations, they're unable to get a certain... I mean, <laughs> there's mines in the dark heart of Africa that are run by slavers that are mining whatever the fuck they use to make computer chips. Yeah. Like if you look into the, how the PS2 was made and you Google the components and then the controversy, there was a component that they needed to use to make the PS2 that they had to buy from warlords that were using slave labor and like cutting people's arms off like blood diamond Holy style. Shit. Yeah. So and I think, I don't know if they're trying to avoid doing that. I, I wouldn't put it past them to like, you know, we just want to sell more units. So let's get anyway. The reason a PS5 is so hard to come by now is because of like supply chain shortages. And the same thing happened when like, I think it was Mario 3 came out. They, they were accused of doing uh, manufactured scarcity where they would like, we know we can sell 5 million units. We're only going to release 2 million and drive. Everybody's going to go fucking crazy yeah. to the point where people who may not have bought it, been on the fence about it. As soon as they see it, they'll go, oh, my God, now's my chance. If I don't get it now, who knows when I'll see it again. Yeah. But I think what, what came out was, like, the, the chips that they needed for the cartridges to manufacture the actual, like, fucking guts of the cartridge 
were so hard to come by at that time to meet the demand. And Nintendo was like, look, if we can sell 5 million copies, we're going to fucking sell 5 million copies. It doesn't do us any good to to do artificial scarcity at that level. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe 500,000 here and there, something like that, but or maybe a regional thing, but it doesn't do us any good to just miss out on all those sales. So, and then I think it went all the way up through the N64 era where a game would come out and it would just be somewhat hard to get a hold of in the first couple months. And that's when the pre-order thing happened because yeah. you were you had to be guaranteed a game. You know, you had to, oh, I, I'm definitely going to get, they're not going to sell out. And then when discs came around, it was like, well, no, games are... We're not going to run out of the game. We got a you know a truck yeah, full of them back there. Plenty of them, and yeah. it's like you can just as long as you have a disc, you have the game. But like what I, what I find funny about all this is on the adverse side. When I was looking into some of the the stuff that happened, part of like the, the big old big old crash of 1983 of with video games is I think it was I don't remember. I don't I don't think it was it, was, it definitely wasn't ET because I think they only made five million and they only sold. One million, of them, yeah, yeah, and they trashed basically all. Word of, of mouth got around, and it was like, "This sucks. Yeah. Don't buy it." Um, I think it was when they made the Pac-Man port. I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was the Pac-Man port for Atari, where they on there was only ten million Ataris. Period that there were ever made, but they made twelve million. Oh, Pac-Man so, games. So they yeah. literally made Smart. more games than and there were consoles and there the were actual consoles in circulation. Yeah. Uh, thinking like, oh, they're they're going to buy an Atari just to play Pac-Man. <laughs> so it's going to drive Atari sales. It's going to drive. Exactly. Saying, yeah. And that didn't up, end up happening because the Pac-Man Pac port. fever. Yeah, like the Pac-Man port fucking sucked balls because they only yeah. released a prototype. Right. And it was, they said, they, uh, I mean, it's, it seems quaint for people to hear about people complaining about graphics back then, but it, it would have been a big deal. Like, you know, like yeah. when you're talking about the difference between Pong and Pac-Man at the arcade, the arcade cabinet looked good. Yeah. Like to this day, an arcade cabinet version of Pac-Man looks like something that you'd play on like a Super Nintendo or whatever. And that was like the first time yeah. that you got to play mm. arcade quality games in the comfort of your home in NES as well. In the, in the later part of uh, the run of NES was when they figured out how to get a shitload of memory for, you know, for the time yeah. onto those little little cartridges. I think it was in Mario Bros. 3 where they figured out how to like add a second chip and split the memory up to where you could fit like double the data on there or whatever. Yeah. You know? So, but they were more expensive to make and they had to keep the price pointed around the same spot because people were used to paying a certain amount for, you know, a video game. So, yeah. but yeah, I can't think of, it's so funny to think about like, damn, Steven Spielberg made a movie that spawned a game that ruined an industry. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie was wildly popular and made ass loads of money to the point where it was like the top grossing movie ever. And then James Cameron would come out with something and then, you know, well, we went longer than we were supposed to, but it's fine. Cause I think there's some stuff in there. I was going to cut out <laughs> me, ram me rambling about Robert Caro's books and stuff, <laughs> but all right. Fuck. Fuck yourself. <laughs>